This is Friday Night Frights. It's available on all your favourite podcast channels, including Spotify and Audible. It's on Amazon. Honestly, Amazon would take anything at this point, except 2020's most horizontally horrifying horror movie, Barbara Batchen, which is available exclusively on YouTube now. This is Ian Austin saying, Welcome to Friday Night Fright Season 5. Who thought, Who would have thought we would have got five seasons? Um, not me, no one is. But there you go. Season 5 begins now. Or continues now, depending on what episode you're listening to. Well, I don't know, guys. Like, welcome to Season 5, Episode 1, I guess. I mean, I thought this podcast had died, and I think lots of you probably hoped it had. But no, apparently lots of people I didn't suspect have kept listening to this. Uh, the trailers for Season 4 is like 420 hits. It's views and listens, whatever. It's like, what? Why? Like, I mean, be honest, this podcast was never good, but... and. It, seems to have a following which is more listened to it when it's gone than when it's here but much like your favorite tv shows from yonder like star trek and um some other tv shows which came back years after they were cancelled we're back um the podcast is back and yeah how long for i don't know because i'm the most inre- unreliable person on planet for recording this shit um as you as you guys all know Spoiler warning, I swear a lot. That's why it's an explicit podcast. <laughs> um, but what have I been up to? Uh, well, making movies that no one's been watching. Making a t- weekly show on YouTube that's called Detect This Perspective Theorem Verse of Theorems that no one's watching. But that's that'll be in a different... I'm going to discuss those things in different podcasts. You don't want to hear about those. You want to hear about Friday Night Fright being back on Audible. On Audible, I, I, I don't know. It's one of those weird things about my life. Like, I didn't even apply for Audible distribution, but somehow the podcast is on, is on there. When I saw it, I was like, wait, what? Why? Like, how? You know, I'm, my voice on Audible? Like, I know. Imagine me reading one of your favourite books, American Psycho. I mean, you don't have to imagine that. That's actually happened, but there you go. <laughs> it's crazy. It's like, you know, I'm just a punk kid from Aylesbury who makes... Well, not punk kid. I'm really old now. Who makes silly movies and podcasts and for my own amusement and then gets annoyed when people drive by unlike them and like them i i don't like drive-bys what can i say but i i have a channel i'm the voice of the voices or at least the voice of people who don't really want to have a voice but want to listen to terrible podcasts um yeah it's crazy but season five is back uh what's gonna be in this season i don't know anytime i now say stuff it doesn't end up happening um i hopefully the podcast will still be around in october for i it's halloween four I mean, I don't know. I don't know, honestly. But what I do know is we're almost, we're getting close to being out of COVID, which thank fuck, because this year means shit, to be honest. I think for F1, we can all agree this year's been a bit shit. I've made two movies and I'm main TV show and I'm still like, my God, I just want to go to the cinema. And that's a nice segue into the focus of this episode. It's two parts. One, it's a really, really, really good horror movie called The Stylist. And two, Godzilla vs. Kong, which I wanted seeing a cinema, but they're not open here because, you know, apparently, even if you're Ian 2 vaccines, as I am, um, you can't go and see a moving cinema. You have to watch on Now TV for an exorbitant price. But I'll be discussing Converse Godzilla and The Stylist, which is a genuine... Two very, very, very entertaining movies. One that's almost certainly going to be a classic, and the other one's 
stars Conan Godzilla. But I'll start reviewing those in just a second after a brief word from our sponsor, Anchor. God, don't you love some Anchor butter? Okay, so let's start with Converse Godzilla and also Precursor because I'm not a fan of King. I'm not a fan of Godzilla. I gotta be honest, I just don't really have much interest in movies and that's not a criticism of them or anything like that because I'm trying not to be like that. I hate people who are negative for no reason whatsoever. I respect Godzilla franchise. It's lasted a long time. It's great. And in theory, it should be something I enjoy. It's just, it doesn't quite get into my taste. Um... I mean, for example, I actually enjoyed the 1998 Godzilla, which should tell you everything, because that was a terrible movie in every metric, but it was schlock, and I love schlock, so I enjoyed it. Um, as stupid as it was, at least that John Renner in a really cool blockbuster role. Um, although it did star Matthew Broderick, and uh, he's just... Uh, he's really, 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 really good at playing smug characters. He's just not something I particularly enjoy watching. Um, what about the other ones? King Kong. I, I like King Kong. I like Skull Island. Um, I really did. It's really enjoyable. But here's something which can be downright heretic. I don't... I don't get much from the original King Kong. And that's, again, to not criticise it, because it's a, a great piece of fiction in terms of how they achieved it and what they did, especially at the time. And it's got some genuine morals and... Lessons to learn, and it's incredibly made, like, by by any metric. It's just, I don't, it's just not for me. Um, Maybe I'd enjoy it now. I remember watching university, and I was drunk as shit. And I watched it with um, one of my university flatmates. Uh, And we sat watching it, and we were incredibly pissed, and maybe I've, you know. And we watched it, and we fast-forwarded it for it, because we're too drunk to enjoy it. And then we watched Dude, Where's My Car? And then we spent three weeks saying, dude, dude, to each other, and pissing off every other flatmate. And also use coin term garnered to refer to Jennifer Garner or any situation where someone had been garnered. Um, I was a building asshole at university, and, you know, even today. So, there you go. Uh, the guy who fast-forwarded through King Kong and watched Dude, Where's My Car in Full? Multiple times in a row. And then it's all a bit of a blur after that. So, I'm not necessarily yet expert at this franchise or mythology, but I do like blockbuster movies, and I do like um, shit getting good action sequences. So, I enjoyed Converse Godzilla. Um, I should add, it was made by Adam Wingard, who made segments in VHS and VHS 2, which are two of my favourite geeky... Not even geeky pledge horror movies, just slocky horror movies. He made Your Next and The Guest and this. And he is a really genuinely... Oh, and Blair Witch Project. And he's a really good director. Like, seriously, like, genuinely much, much better directing material he sometimes pits. But that's fine. We all like making silly movies. I've made, I'm trying to make a living doing the same. One thing I like about Anne Wingard is he's he makes weird choices, and by weird choices I mean there's a fight in this movie where they Colin got to a fight in Hong Kong at night, and it's shot in neon, which is a homage to his neon fuel camp direction and thing, the guest. And there's also lots of the human scenes. Like I mean, I know people don't like human scenes in movies, and that's fair enough, but. In this one, they're, they're a little off. Like, it's like he's making fun of them, almost. I mean, don't get me wrong, the actors all do a decent job, but 
It's a little bit like the guy who runs a podcast on conspiracies using his real voice but works at one company he's doing podcast on, but no one seems to recognise it's him or care. And that's fascinating. That's an intentional choice, I'm sure, of poking both fun how silly these characters are. There's also the fact that he's got Damien Bachir as the head of the um, evil corporation. And Damien Bachir is... Um, Sorry if I got the name wrong. He's a really good actor. He's been in a few Tarantino movies. A few Tarantino movies or just one? Just one, I think. But he does a really good job there. He was in Machete 2. He was in um, Hateful Eight. And he's just got a great... He's a combination of a great voice and a really, really good actor. So he brings some weird graditas to the movie. Um, Alexander Skazgar plays a computer nerd, which has to be a piss take. I mean, seriously, it's just ludicrous. I mean, not that he's not a good actor, because he's made some really good stuff. He's in a movie with, um, oh shit, I can't remember his name. And, oh God, Michael Pena from Ant-Man, where he both play cops and it's a really good movie. So he's a generally good actor, but like, he doesn't even, it's like they know it's ten piss a bit with him as like his this mega nerdy scientist who people make fun of. It's just, and then got Rebecca Hall as like a scientist who works for keeping Con safe, and she's called Con Whisperer. But then she never speaks to Con. It's just like or never interacts with him in a particularly meaningful way. So that's weird. But generally, it's just a really fun movie. They obviously realise quite early on Godzilla has no character whatsoever, so they don't even try giving him one. He's just a destructive force of nature whose most motion he shows is a nod near the end and a bit of a snarl. And so most of the emotion, and the lead character status goes to King Kong, who is slightly better because in this movie he knows spoilers, he knows sign language... And he interacts with a little kid who knows sign language and they have their little bond and Con's arc is he wants to go home because like Monarch is in seven sixty years or ever since fifty years or ever since they last saw him has trapped him in a biodome which Con is trying to escape. So that's a bit weird. But that's just an excuse to have Con and Godzilla fight. And they do fight. And it's pretty clear that Godzilla is fastly out of Con's league. Which is hilarious. Because everyone's getting worked up and saying. Oh they're going to level up Con. You know all that obsessive nerdiness that comes out of these movies. Where he talked about power levels and stuff like that. And yeah, Godzilla beats the shit out of him consistently. Very much like. Superman vs. Batman. But this is very much like Batman vs. Superman, but better because Anne Wingard is a... Oh, God, how do I say this about angering Zack Snyder fans? It's a much better director than Zack Snyder. I don't think I really it there. Yeah, Anne Wingard's seriously a generally great, really good director, and he does a fantastic job here at making it weird and staging fights because we get prolonged fights they're not cutaways like the other Godzilla movies which were trying to go a Clothefield route but weren't close to being Clothefield because Clothefield was made explicitly with a good script to work around the fact that you barely seen Monster whereas Godzilla and Godzilla Kim Monsters didn't really have good scripts so and this one doesn't have great script either but Anne Wingard plays up he's a master at making these moves like VHS and the guest, which are very entertaining, Blair Witch, which are very entertaining, but know exactly what they are. No, they're not trying to rise above their station. I mean, I suppose the guest does a bit, but VHS and Blair Witch, I mean, 
the the schlock, the schlocky horror. And that doesn't mean you can't do a really good job with them because he does with those movies and he does with this movie. But at the same time, it's like you're not making like a fucking five star classic. You're making a movie where Godzilla fights Kong. So you make right choice in it being under two hours and make right choice in really going town on fight scenes because they're just like something they're just like kids smashing two toys together it's great i mean that's fundamentally what this movie is it's a kids it's the equivalent for kids smashing two toys together with studio going whoa 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. don't break those toys we gotta cut we we gotta have this kid focus on we gotta have this kid read a play not a good play a, a bad play but he's got to look at a play or watch some terrible app not at terrible acting, but you know what I mean, where it's like safer wear acting, you know, where people are doing a decent job with what they've got, but they're not aiming for Oscar status because it's King Converse Godzilla. You know, it's like it's like fucking Catalina Weinmitzer here, you know? So, yeah, overall, I'd give this movie... I'd, I'd go for... In terms of what it's doing, here's the thing. I'd probably give it a higher mark if I'd seen it in Sigma, and I do want to see it in Sigma, but for now, I'd probably go for, like, a 3 out of 5, because I think without Sigma Aspect, it loses a lot. Maybe as an experience, I'll go 5 out of 5. Because sitting watching it with people, which I luckily is able to do, um, is, is an amazing experience. Because we all watched it and we all enjoyed it. You know, support bubbles. Yay! So that was that's fantastic. So I really enjoyed Converse Godzilla. And I definitely recommend watching it. And there you go. Um, so that's the very watchable blockbuster outway. Now it's time to talk about the other movie, The Stylist. Okay, so now it's time to talk about Stylist. And I'm not going to spend super amount of time talking about this. Not because it's a bad movie, because it's really, really, really fucking good, guys. Um, it's more because I've struggled to talk about great movies in detail. It's one of my quotes. I think if I had, if it was like an interview format, it'd probably be better, but... For now, it's like, I just want to talk about how good it is. I mean, seriously, it's on Arrow for one thing, and you've definitely subscribed to Arrow. I love to watch more of their content, but I don't have enough time to watch their content, unfortunately. But fundamentally, it's just a really good movie. And it's got a very interesting premise, because it's about a hairdresser who has some serious issues um, and is looking for a sense of family and belonging but can't quite find it. Um, so in the meantime, she's very uncomfortable in her own skin. It's going to be made spoilers here, by the way. So if you don't want to be spoiled, um, give it 10 seconds. Wait. If you don't want to be spoiled, then you can stop listening to the episode now because, you know, this is the rest of the episode. I'm not doing conclusion here, so there you go. So, yeah, um, this movie essentially falls down to someone's not comfortable in their own skin, which is something a lot of people can relate to, and is looking for two things. One, sense of family and belonging, and two, to change who she is, fundamentally, from the inside out. And that way it's very sad. Normally horror movies don't do a very good job with having you relate characters, I find, anyway. And that's not criticism for the genre as a whole, because, you know, you don't have to relate characters to enjoy a movie. For example, the characters in Friday Faith and Nightmare Games are usually terrible, but movies are usually watchable. But this does much better job of having you emphasise characters. And it really, really... I mean, you do. I mean, because I particularly found this lead character, um, I'm terrible names, but she... I really, really 
empathise with her, even though she's doing horrible things, which she does some fucking horrible things in this movie, she is really, really, really tragic and sad. And if you're wondering, Ian, you watch this movie, why can't you remember characters' names? I watched it weeks ago, and I should have caught this weeks ago, but I forgot because I'm, I'm not necessarily most organised person. But that's... And also it's fascinating because the movie's directed by a hairdresser, a part of someone who actually cuts hair um, as a, a full-time job. I don't know if it's a full-time job. As a, definitely as a main job and directs movies around that, which is fantastic and something I can definitely respect as that's what I have to do. Not as well, obviously. I mean, this movie looks like a million bucks. Like, seriously, quality... Quality moving, effortly gone, and actually has substance to it. And generally, I mean, it's just... It's one of those movies where you just love streaming services for supplying it, because I think it is getting a Blu-ray and DVD released by Apple, which is fantastic. But releasing on Apple... Oh, Apple? What the fuck? I mean, Apple will sell it, you know, but it's an Arrow DVD. And releasing on Arrow Streaming... Fuck, how do I confuse Apple and Arrow? It must be because that cool TV show. Anyway, Arrow TV is is putting this out on a stream app, Arrow Video Player even, and it's fantastic because streaming apps, for all their faults, and there are a lot, allow a lot of movies like this to reach a much bigger audience than they otherwise would. Although I imagine this one would broke out anyway. But it's a fantastic movie. It's like, seriously, genuinely really good. Really sad, but some terrific acting by actors whose names I can't remember because I watched this about three weeks ago. Uh, but, yeah, no, definitely recommend it. Like, really messed up movie. Really violent. Um, scalping? I mean, uh, first violent moment I saw him, I was like, what the fuck? Like, you don't expect it to be this nasty. But also, my issue, no, like... Horror directors who, like, some marginalised sections of society, make, when they get a chance to make horror movies, they make best horror movies because they've seen some shit, man. Like, some of the up-and-coming female directors and some of the up-and-coming non-white directors do an amazing job of horror. Like, Jordan Peele, for example, is fantastic because he comes up from a different perspective and so's the director of this movie. She does an amazing job. Really, really, really good job for the movie, and it's just wow, it's great, it's just crazy good. And you can find it, it's called Stylist, Stylist. it's on Arrow TV. You can purchase it, um, which you definitely should, and I'm going to do at some point. I think it's on sale not too long ago, but you shouldn't buy it on sale, you should buy it full price and give the director her, her kudos because she deserves it. And generally, yeah, I mean, this review's a reminder why I should probably do reviews shortly after I watch a fucking movie, but there you go. But really good movie, five stars. I mean, five stars? Oh, shit, I didn't think I'd rate it that highly, but I do. I, I, You know, I know you're going to point out that I barely remember anything about movie, but definitely five stars. And at some point, I'm sure we'd do a review where I actually remember what the fuck I'm talking about, because this is shoddy. But definitely go watch it. Really good movie. Um, highly recommended. Even though I can't remember specifics. It's just a it's just a scalping, slashing, sad, tragic, funny, sweet, charming, well shot, well written, well acted horror movie. And 
Honestly, nowadays, when do you get all of those elements in the same horror movie? So there you go. What's the stylist on Arrow TV now? Okay, that's all I'm doing for this episode. you got to ease back into this stuff. I hope you enjoyed it on Audible. I hope you really enjoyed Audible. Hey, Amazon, why aren't you accepting my movies? Yeah. Oh, I, did, so I, wasn't, I so wasn't going to say that. Oh, no. Apparently, you can backdoor your way onto Amazon if you go through other means rather than applying directly. I don't understand it, but, you know, maybe someday there'll be a way to get on amazon for your movies without having go through an attribute you know who knows anyway for now this is the host of fright night fright saying remember life is beautiful and so are you peace out